If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. If you tuned in last week, we chatted a little bit about bow setups and, and some potential ways to practice with your bow in the off season. But as tag results start to drop for a lot of Western states, the next stage is gonna be that planning phase of your hunt. So this week, we're gonna talk about the preliminary e-scouting and the first steps that I take when I learn that I pulled a tag or maybe I pick up a tag over the counter. The first thing that I do immediately after I tell everyone I drew is start to e-scout. So this week, I'm pulling out the map and my mapping apps and running through my process for that initial look as I start to plan out my hunt. But before we jump into those tactics, I'm gonna share the story of a first look that turned up a honey hole. So a few years back, I drew a deer tag in an area that I'd never hunted before, and it was actually quite a long ways away, a pretty good drive, so I had no chance to scout out the area. I'd actually been in a portion of the unit once before, but I was hunting with a friend and he had a tag and I just kind of was like, happened to be driving through the area while he was hunting. And uh, he got on a buck, actually snuck in on a nice four point buck. It was pretty cool. I was, I was actually on my way to a different hunt and he had had trouble getting a deer. So I swung in there and met up with him in camp and we spotted a buck the next morning. Nice, big, like wide four by four snuck in and it was bedded in this like little patch of quakey aspens up at the top of the mountain he snuck in got to like 20 yards drew back the buck was bedded he stood up buck stood up let the arrow go and hit the buck and it was a pretty cool little like i was just happened to be crossing paths and got in on a deer with him so i ended up getting the tag well, i guess a year or two after that but you know i wanted to hunt a different portion of the unit because i thought it'd be a little bit more convenient for me and I just kind of like to find my own areas so I ended up pulling out my maps and just like I do with every initial hunt so I, I drew the tag I'd really never been to the portion of the unit that I wanted to hunt so I started just doing my e-scouting and, and going through this process that I have of you know first tag and before I even just get too deep into it just doing this initial scouting and, and during that initial scouting I highlighted a few areas and just kind of really looked over the area, you know, using essentially like flying through the area using 3D maps and started marking some spots that I wanted to check. 
So as things progressed and I started scouting and then talking to some more people and, and I really honed in on this one particular mountain. I thought, okay, this is going to be a good spot. Like it's a good distance away from roads. It's kind of like this alpine. It's everything that I want in a hunt. And this should be a really good place to go. So we'll fast forward to the season, right? And, and there's a, a bunch of other places that I'd marked and, and whatever, but I never got a chance to look at. So I go up, I, it's opening morning. I was planning on getting in a few days before the season and ended up, it was one of those deals where it's like things happened. I ended up having to do like work a little bit more and ended up not getting out when I wanted. But I figured, well, I've got, it'll give me more time during the season to hunt. So I get there, I think it was like the night before. Oh, actually I got there midday the day before. So I drive into the spot, set up a camp and I'm gonna like hike in in the dark. So I get set up, I get up early opening day and I, I hike in and I find myself like in this place that I've e-scouted and said, this is gonna be the spot for big bucks, right? This is just like, I felt like it was good. I didn't really see, I mean, I, this particular area had a lot of tags. So it wasn't like a limited entry unit. It was more like a general area that you kind of have to draw. And so as the sun comes up, I'm in this canyon and I figured, okay, this will be the canyon where there's gonna be bucks. And sure enough, there was bucks, but there was also what I assumed was nearly every other hunter that drew a tag in this particular unit in the canyon. I mean, like the sun came up and I'm like, gla I, I'm glassing and I see like some, you know, smaller, younger bucks and I'm thinking like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm in deer everything worked out, like I found the spot. And then I start looking on the ridge and just on the skyline, I'm like tucked, I'm sitting below this rock looking up and there's literally people everywhere on this ridge. And then I see these guys like walking up the bottom, like toward these deer. And I'm like, they aren't even like stalking them. The wind is at their back and the deer just blow out. And there's just deer running, does running. No like crazy big bucks or anything, but just like deer and peep like very few deer, there's probably more people than deer, to be honest. And this is like, you know, I've I hunted a lot of places, a lot of general units. Sometimes you run into a lot of people. This was probably the most people in a place that I didn't think I would see any people. You know, I was kind of shocked about, okay. And then there's just like deer running everywhere. I'm thinking, oh man, this sucks. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna go, uh, I'll just try to get away from the crowd. And I end up like walking up to the top and then skirting around and trying to drop into another basin. And on the way, like I, I see the way that these people are hunting and I'm like, I think a lot of them were actually together in one group. I run into one of the guys and they're bow hunting. <laughs> they're like tactic. They're like, yeah, oh, we got, we've got like six guys with us and we're just, we're driving the deer. We're hoping that they run. So they've got like guys positioned on the ridge and then they're like walking up the canyon, hoping that the deer run past the other members of their party. And I'm just in my head thinking like, what have I got myself into? I'm in an area where they're intentionally spooking deer. Like you're bow hunting. Many of them have never bow hunted before. If you've never bow hunted before, it's probably not the best tactic opening morning to try to just spook deer and hope that they run past somebody and that person that hasn't really bow hunted much is gonna get a shot at a deer coming by. Like, I don't know. Like they, they, they immediately realized like their tactic did not work. So they were pushing these like basins for deer and hoping that they ran by some of the other guys that were hunting. Plus there was already other hunters in there. So it was just a, a cluster, if you know what I'm saying. So I decided, I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna go to this other basin. So I just start hiking, hiking, hiking. 
and same deal, just like dudes everywhere, people everywhere. And I'm fairly discouraged at this point, thinking like, man, this sucks. And I remembered when I was initially scouting, I was like, there was, I was thinking about it. I was going through my map and all the places that I kind of pinpointed in my final e-scouting of just like really diving into the area were all these nice high country basins, aspen trees and just beautiful looking country. And I started thinking about the first time that I had my map out and there was this kind of this area that I just discarded, right? It was like, I remember it, it was a lower elevation. It just was like, there wasn't really good access or glassing spots. And I just thought, I was like, and it didn't really look great. Not as far as maybe compared to some of the other country, but they're just also, I just discarded it really. And I thought about that spot and was thinking like, man, I wonder, cause I was just racking my brain on where to go. For some reason that popped in my head when I was just up in this beautiful deer country thinking of, I would probably not get a single chance here cause I need an unpressured deer to stock with my bow. and. There's just people running amok. So I said, screw it. I just like literally packed up my stuff, hiked out, went back to the truck and just like kept thinking about that spot that I had seen on my initial glass. And, and the fact that I kind of discarded it, maybe that's why it popped in. I don't know why that particular spot popped in my head, but it didn't look bad. It just looked like something like, not necessarily the country that I was looking for. So I said, screw it. So I go back down and I drive to that spot and it's like, more open grassland, little bit of break kind of stuff, more foothills, you know, um, which could still be great deer country. And so I get to one of the spots, throw up my glass, and here's a bachelor group of 12 bucks. And there was a giant buck in the group. Uh, okay, now it's game on. And there was no one around. I mean, it was just completely void of people. And it seemed like deer in every little pocket that I looked in. So I'm like, perfect, this will be, this will be sweet. So... The, the, the only trouble was uh, it was kind of that open type country where you could sneak in and you could get about 120 yards, but that was about as close as you were going to get. And the deer bedded in really good positions to spot you. And it just was not super conducive for getting close. So I, I stalked in on the big buck and ended up waiting. I, I got to about 80 yards and I thought, okay, I, I crept in. There's a bunch of deer. And so I'm sitting there in position and the big buck's like a 185 inch typical. He's just like a giant typical buck in an area where it's just probably killing a buck would have been cool. So, so I'm pretty excited. I'm just, I'm like, I, I knew that I couldn't get any closer because there's so many other deer bedded looking, whatever, but I figured, okay, I'll get in to 80 and I'll wait and hope that maybe I could get a shot as he, if he feeds up because I figured, okay, he'll, he'll feed up this draw, maybe kind of where they were before. So I'm sitting there waiting and the deer start popping up one by one and I've got, everything's like working out, right? The deer feeding, a smaller buck pops up, starts feeding and, and, and one of the smaller deer is like a small three point, feeds like past me, I'm like perfect. Okay, he's like 40 yards and I'm just waiting. Uh, okay, I'm not, I probably would have been stoked to shoot that deer had I not seen the big buck. So I'm waiting, that deer moves past the next deer moves past like a smaller fork and horn. And now I've got this group of like the younger bucks feeding behind me and the big buck still bedded below me. And I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, and the big buck gets up, 
perfect. Oh, this is gonna, oh, this is gonna happen, right? He's gonna follow these other deer. He starts following the other deer, but it, just facing me, then feeding, facing away, no shot, no shot. And I'm waiting for him to get a good shot. Finally, he feeds, and there's this one little like rock outcropping below me, and he disappears behind it. I know as soon as he pops out over here, I'm gonna get a shot. I'm waiting, and as that happens, I just feel like the, the wind start to shift, and it blows toward the deer that had walked past me already. And one of the deer blows, and now that buck never walked out. He just stopped, and I could see his antlers like right below me, staring at the other deer. I'm like, okay, do I draw back and hope that, uh, you know, it's one of those scenarios where it's like there's probably no right decision. And so I draw back because I know that the bottom buck won't see me. But at that point, the other deer blew out. They run out. He runs out the opposite direction and got away. So I was like, well, oh, that sucks. And they just, they blew out of that country. So I spent the next, the rest of the week looking for that particular buck, had shots on other deer and didn't find them. So it was one of those things where I ended up not getting a buck there, not because I didn't have an opportunity to get a buck, but I was now focused on this one big deer and, and hunted the rest of my time looking for this one big buck. But what I did find is that initial scouting and just flying through the area and really knowing what was around me when the area got really crowded i ended up finding this honey hole of big deer and good deer and a lot of deer and essentially more of a honey hole because there wasn't any other hunters there but i found it because of the knowledge that i spent initially looking over the entire area which gave me a backup spot to get into deer and has been a place that i've hunted since and had a lot of success in uh, years afterwards so today actually is a big day for me and growing up in Nevada it's like everything that you hunt or as far as big game goes is on a draw which kind of sucks right because you can't guarantee that you're going to hunt every year but it's also tag draw is, is a big deal because that's when you find out where, where you're hunting what you're hunting if you drew if you didn't draw if you're hunting with your friends whatever it's always kind of been a big day and one thing when I think about a day like this is the first thing that you do, or the first thing that I do, is a lot of the places that maybe I'll draw a tag, I might not have ever hunted before, even though it's where I grew up. You know, I might be putting in for an area that's really hard to draw and then is my first choice, and then my later choice is an area that I'll be guaranteed to draw or pretty close to guaranteed to draw. So, And maybe I've hunted that area a couple times. But you never know. You might get lucky and pull a tag in a, in a different unit. Or a friend might pull a tag for a sheep or an elk in an area that we haven't hunted before. And the first thing that I do is I, I pull out my mapping software on my app and I, well now I use the Go Hunt maps. And I just, I pull it up on my phone or my computer and I do what I call like an initial e-scout. It's the first thing that I do. It doesn't matter whether I draw a tag, whether I'm uh, picking up, there's so many hunts that I do every year where it's like the first hunt that I've ever done in that unit. It's an over-the-counter tag. And it's like, even sometimes before I pick up, I guess in general, over-the-counter tags, I, I tend to do this before I pick up the tag because I'll kind of do this to figure out where I want to hunt. But it works really well when you've got an area that you want to hunt or you've got a specific tag that you drew. And now you're just doing that initial e-scout. So what that is, is it's how I build out my hunt planning process. I start with this initial look. And this initial look essentially builds into more detailed e-scouting, more detailed research in the unit uh, later on. But this initial look is, is really important and doing it 
effectively and efficiently can kind of help build the hunt plan in the right direction. And sometimes just understanding the unit, getting a really good feel of the unit right off the bat is a really good way to kind of dive in and get started in the planning process. Because a lot of the hunts you might do, maybe you don't have time to get out there and scout, maybe you're unfamiliar with the unit, maybe you live somewhere else and you're going to a place for the first time. Well, how do you really make the most out of your time there uh, from home? And so a lot of it starts with this initial planning phase. So I kind of broke it down into about nine to 10 steps. And I'll just go through the steps like I'm pulling out my app for the first time and I've got a tag in an area and kind of going, I'm just gonna walk you through my thought process, what I do in these initial things and why I do it in this particular way because it leads to things later on down the road that make it easier to plan my hunt out and, and be successful for the time that I have when I'm in the field, right? So I use the go, like I said, I use the go hunt maps. Um, it's got essentially, if you aren't familiar with like e-scouting or mapping software, there's a lot of different companies out there that have stuff that's similar. Um, so I'm just, if, you, if I, the way that I talk about it, I'm talking about the one that I use, but you can kind of apply this to any essential software like it. Um, so just so you know. I'll back it up a sec, because just in case there's people that are listening that don't have some kind of hunting app or software for this, what it does is, what, this is probably one of the best tools that especially Western big game hunters have, and I say it's the best tool for going into places where you've never hunted before, because what the software has is it has your hunt boundary units, it has your private land, public land ownership. It shows you access points. You can do so much with it. You can do different layers, overlay layers of wildfires. You can do overlay layers of different altitudes that you wanna just check out. So it'll highlight like all the high altitude. It'll highlight, okay, I want everything in the three to 5,000 foot range. Um, there's just so much information in these maps that you can just go in there and really play with a lot of features and really kind of start to pinpoint and plan it out. And also shows you roads, um, you know, forest service roads, access roads, block management, or those kind of like private land where, with public access, uh, all that kind of stuff's in there. So the first step I do, I go in there and I just highlight the hunt unit boundary. What I wanna do is I want to build out and get an idea of where is the legal boundaries of this area I'm hunting so I know, okay, it, it seems simple, right? But I wanna see that area of the boundary, not just in the regulations, but on some mapping software so I can really dive in and say, okay, what constitutes this area's boundaries? Is it a border? Is it a road? Is it a river? Because it does make a difference. And then what I also will do is kind of start to dive into what is special about this area. So. Um, I use, I've talked about it a lot, but it's only because I use it a lot, is the Go Hunt Insider software. And what that is, is it has a little bit, it's mostly for tag draw stuff, so hunt planning before you draw your tag. But then it also has like unit breakdowns. You might think like, okay, just knowing a little bit about the unit is key to kind of planning. So knowing, okay, what kind of deer can I expect? What are maybe some of the neighboring units have? Because there, there might be a hunt, and you should know this before you apply, but just kind of putting that into your thought process when you're planning, right? So I highlight the unit boundaries and before I've applied or maybe I'm picking up a tag, I kind of have an idea of what kind of unit I drew. So is it an area where, man, success is fairly low? 
trophy quality is pretty low. So I'm just maybe thinking, okay, I'm just looking for deer. I'm looking for an animal to take. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's uh, low populations, but maybe high trophy potential. Then I say, okay, I'm looking for this kind of deer. Or I maybe say, well, this unit's more general area, but there's a bordering unit that's a limited entry unit. Okay, now I'll kind of look at those borders, boundaries, and just really understand what's in my unit and where I can go. And then the next step is I'm now, like I'll turn on the layers for the road systems because I'm really looking for those access points. So I kind of start big and then narrow in. And what I'm doing on the initial scout is I really want to just preview the area and get a feel for what might be around and where I should start looking. So in a big unit, there's some tags that you'll draw and it seems like the unit might be the size of some Eastern states, right? It's like, where do I even start? And the first place to start is highlighting the unit boundary, and then I'll locate those access points. So I, I want to first turn on my public land layers and private land layers because I want to just highlight those pieces. For me, it's primarily hunting on public land, which, you know, that's one of the reasons we like to hunt, or I like to hunt out west, is there's ample opportunity to hunt public land and also turn on those layers of private land that's accessible to the public, right? Maybe some block management, access yes, whatever they call it in different states those areas. So I'm highlighting the unit, then I'm highlighting the type of areas that I can hunt in that unit. And then I turn on the road system layers of saying like highlight a forest service road, right? A road that's a public access road where I know that I can access that forest service legally and figure out, okay, where are the points where I can go into? So now I'm narrowing down maybe a giant unit into a few colors of public and private and a few roads that access into that. So I say, look, if I'm gonna hunt in here, here's how I at least, I need to know how to get into where I can hunt. And so I just start looking at all those access points and all the places that I can hunt. I might find a small piece of public down here, surrounded by private. I might find, oh, the, most of the units public, right? Is there roads all over or is there a few access points into it? So I start to narrow it down and just really broad view, looking at how the heck do I even get into this unit? Because for the most part, I might not know anything about it, right? So I'm going to look at that. And then step three, so I, once I've found those areas, I then just switch to 3D mode. It's like your Google Earth vision. You can, and what I like to do is I essentially call it flying the unit. I'll look at the areas that I can hunt and can get access to. And then I just essentially fly around the unit in that 3D mode and just pan around and look at what's there. I want, and I'm focusing on a few major things. So I'm focusing on the type of topography that's there. Is it a mountainous unit? Is it lowlands? Is it, um, you know, big open faces? Is it fully timbered? What does it look like on the ground there? It's almost like if I could go there and let's just say I had unlimited resources and unlimited time and it was legal and I could figure out like how, what's the best way to scout, I would just be like hiring a plane and flying around and just getting a real good lay of the land. That's not feasible, that's not, I mean, for me it's not. Um, but what is feasible is just going into this 3D mode and flying around and just getting an idea of what it looks like and maybe some areas that look good to me or the way that I wanna hunt. And I also think about, okay, what is the unit look like? So let's say, let's say it's an elk hunt in some flat areas in New Mexico. And I start to think to myself, okay, well, it's an archery hunt. They've got to be calling. 
Um, so I'm going to be using calling as my main primary tactic. It's flat. There's no real glassing or topography. So maybe what's something, the fourth step would be kind of what am I looking for on the tag and the type of hunt and then pinpointing those areas as I fly around. So if it's that kind of unit and I think, okay, uh, well, I'm not going to be able to glass. So it's going to be a calling kind of area. Um, but maybe what's something that's missing in this area? Well, maybe it's a drier area. It looks like it's maybe a little more arid. So maybe I'll start pinpointing some water sources that are marked there, some ponds, some other things. Now, maybe i am uh, got a mule deer tag and I want a glass. And, I, and so I'm looking for those areas. It's like, okay, I can use that glassing tactic. So I'm kind of pinpointing, oh, here's a more open area that I might be able to glass and look into. Oh, here's a another a burn or something like that. So I'll start to toggle different layers. I'll, I'll turn on a layer that shows me the burns. So I go, okay, well, that's gonna be more open if it's mostly timbered. Maybe I'll turn on a layer that shows me clear cuts. Maybe I'll just turn on a layer that says, I really want to backpack in the Alpine. I look at the unit, I wanna know, okay, what's the, what's the, the tree line here look like? And I'll start switching on layers that highlight like everything above 8,000 feet. So I can maybe, what that'll do is it just shows me a broad view of, okay, I want to get into the Alpine. This is, you know, maybe the unit, the highest peak's 10,000 and it starts at 3,000. And it's an early season archery hunt. So I'm kind of pinpointing those velvet bucks that are going to be out in the open a little bit more. And I'm like thinking, okay, I'm going to hit that 8,000 foot plus band. Where in the unit is that? Because that's, what I'm doing is I'm narrowing down the places to really dive into later. And I'm basing those places on the needs of the animals and my particular hunt. And just remember, this is an initial scout. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm kind of making notes and dropping pins on things that look good. So I'm going from big to here's the unit, here's a place I can hunt in the unit. Now here's some places that identify with the way that I like to hunt or potentially the animal that I'm hunting. Maybe I'm hunting antelope, right? And I can go in there and I can flick on a layer that shows me uh, flat areas. There's actually a, you know, a little circle in there. I hit that and it's highlighting the flat spots because I know that antelope like to be able to see and they like the flats. And so I'm narrowing down this giant unit into the places that are particular for the species that I'm hunting. Maybe I want uh, a mule deer and elk hunt and I know that yeah, maybe there's a little bit more of a, a steep mountain. So as I'm flying around, I'm looking for those steep mountains that might be hard to get into. Other people might not want to walk. I'm also looking for those access points and everything. So I'm just, I'm going from like big to small and starting to just pinpoint places to get my mind thinking about what the hunt's going to look like and where I potentially want to invest time diving into a little bit longer when I e-scout and, and really start to talk to people maybe that have hunted the area. So I'd say like that step five would just be really looking for that good habitat, land features, things that look good to me. There's, whether you've hunted a lot or haven't hunted, you know, maybe this is your first Western hunt. As you fly around in that 3D mode, you can look at a mountain and be like, that looks cool. That looks good. Always start to think about those places that, that look good, that, that maybe stick out in your mind. And then also, as my last story, kind of really know what's everywhere in the unit. It allows you to fly around and say, okay, here's the mountains, here's some more foothills. Whether you think it looks good or not, just knowing what's in the unit where you can hunt. And then the next step, I'd say step six for me, is really just getting familiar with the names and the places. One thing I like to do is if I find a place that looks good, 
I'll switch on, I'll actually switch between the 3D mode. I'll go back to a, a, just a standard topo map where it's easier to see the creek names and the road names. And I just have a master list running. And I'll start to write down names of, of places. Maybe there's a major access point that's, let's say it's Cottonwood Creek, right? There's, I feel like out west, about every unit in the west has a, you know, like a creek named after some kind of tree. So, and most of the time it's trees that don't, aren't even there. So it could be Cottonwood Creek, it could be Cherry Creek, it could be Pine Creek, it could be whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, or the Elk Mountain, Deer Mountain, Antelope Mountain, <laughs> something like that. Whatever the area is called, I'll start to jot down names and kind of build out an idea of verbally what these access points and areas are. And I, and I do that in kind of a big to small as well. So I'll do, okay, the major access point is this. It might be called this, uh, whatever that creek is, or maybe there's a road name, something like that. I start to write down those names. And there's a, a, a really good reason for becoming familiar with some of the names in the areas that's going to come in to play later on as you start to really dive into it. But one thing that I found is if I'm able to talk to somebody that's hunted in the unit before, before I even waste my time talking to someone, I want to get a good lay of the land and maybe some names of places in my mind that look good. So when I'm talking to someone, if they mention something, it gives it helps me build a picture of where that might be at and helps me understand or uh, ask questions that are going to be more beneficial, right? Because it's an area that you don't know at all. And when you're talking, maybe you have an opportunity to talk to someone online, talk to someone, however, maybe you run into somebody that, I, I, there's been so many times I've run into people somewhere and you just start talking like, hey, what tag did you draw? Oh yeah, I drew this tag and you're at a grocery store. Oh man, I had that tag three years ago. Yeah, we went up to uh, Copper Basin and it was really good in there, but um, you know, we ended up going into XYZ Creek and, and they start naming places because they're familiar with it. And if you don't have that, preliminary familiarity with it, you're going to lose out on a lot of good information because it just doesn't stick in your head. It's just, it goes in one year, for at least for me, it goes in one year and out the other. But if I have a picture of what the area looks like and maybe some names to be able to talk about the unit in a way with somebody that actually knows the unit, it's going to be a lot more beneficial in that hunt planning. There's been so many hunts where um, I would say probably one of the best elk I ever took was just kind of a random talking to some guy that mentioned a place that I had remembered seeing on the map. And so because I remembered seeing it, I was able to connect the two dots and ended up taking probably one of the better elk I've ever taken, um, or at least the best elk I've taken with my rifle, uh, from an area just by somebody mentioning it and having that familiarity with the unit and being able to talk about the unit in a way that made sense to me and build that mental picture. And it makes a big difference. So now, once I've got that familiarity with the area, I've, I've kind of gone from big to small. Now I'm getting a little bit more narrow focused. And in those areas that I've pinpointed for the type of hunt that I want to do and the type of terrain, I'm going to start pinpointing or actually dropping pins on the map of things that will help me during the hunt. And these will kind of be the basis of where I start doing a lot more diving into later. So one of the things for me, I like to glass when I hunt. I feel like it's probably one of the most effective tactics if the unit allows for it. So what I start to do, one of the first steps that I do in any new unit, even if it's an area where I can't really glass well, is look for good vantages, glassing points. I actually start by scouting out places to look from 
Because what that allows me to do is take my e-scouting into field scouting, or even if it's during the season I get in there, that field scouting is narrowing down a place to look at the most places from. So I'm finding what I call glassing knobs, glassing tits, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I start dropping pins on those places. And I, I do that in 3D mode as well as like pulling up the topo maps. I'll look at the lines and say, okay, here's a knob um, off in the distance or in this particular canyon. And then I get that 3D mode. I kind of get that like real view, which I, I do this on my computer a lot. I can do it on the app as well, which is one thing I really like about Gohan is you can get that like on the ground if I were glassing from this spot. It's so good, it's almost like cheating to be honest, but it's a really good way to get in there and say like, okay, from this spot, okay, I see it's open here and it looks like I can look up the canyon and see this south face. Okay, I'm gonna mark this. This is a good place where I can cover a lot of country. Now I'm flying around and looking at other places and just dropping pins on places where I can look into good country for glassing. Now the same might be said for if it's not uh, a glassing particular spot, but I say, oh, it's, it's all covered. I'm gonna have to be doing a lot of still hunting in the timber. I've got an elk tag. Well, here's a gradual ridge that might lend itself to good elk bedding. Okay, I'll drop a pin on that, but I can find that by flying around and just getting that initial look at the area. Because what I'm gonna do later on is start diving into and researching those places where I put that initial pin as I build the picture of the unit that I'm gonna hunt. Now, step eight is something that, one thing, sometimes it backfires on you, right? But I like to also look at the area of saying like, where are the roads at? And where are places that are easy to access? Like where's a spot, if there's a place that, there's a main road going in, there's roads everywhere. You know, in, in my particular hunting style is I want to hike and get away from the roads. Then I can say, okay, here's an area where a lot of people might be hunting from the road. In which case, you know, I might say, well, that's a good spot to think about or whatever, but maybe I want to find a place that's a little bit further away. So I'm, what I like to do is I like to, I would say step eight and nine for me is finding, identifying easy to access areas and hard to access areas. Areas that are hard to get into, areas that are easy to get into, and then kind of identifying those as two kind of different parts of the unit, if you will. And, and honestly, there can be animals in both. I think a lot of people might listen to this and be like, oh, so I always have to get away from the roads and whatever. No, sometimes, it depends on the unit, sometimes a road or an easy to access area, if you've never been there, might be your best way to figure out where to hunt because you can cover a lot of country in a vehicle, really do like an, an initial scout the day you get in there, cover a lot of country and say, okay, there's populations of animals here, there's populations of animals there. It really depends on the tag and the number of people hunting. Um, but I like to pinpoint those areas of saying like, this is an area that maybe I've got a weekend to hunt um, and, I, and I don't have a lot of time and I wanna just get away from the roads. Well, at least I know the portion of the unit where I have the best chance of getting away from more people. Sometimes it backfires and you get to a trailhead, like, oh, I can hike 10 miles back here and everybody had that idea. And then, you know, you gotta, you gotta flip the script and go where the people aren't. Um, so it just depends on the unit, but I like to just know where those places are. Where's the spot where it's easy to, to get around, to look around, and where are the places that are difficult to get around and look around. And you also, later on, are gonna like balance that between the time that you have to hunt. And I don't know, you know, it just depends on, honestly, a lot of different factors. But I kind of look at it like this sometimes is if I don't have a lot of time and I've got an area that's really hard to get into, it might not be worth my time to go back there for that short amount of time. 
Because by the time I get back there and if I find there isn't anything, then I don't have time to adjust. Whereas if there's an area that's kind of in the middle of that where it's, it's easy to get to, but it may be hard to access in a different way, then that gives me more option if there's nothing there to change spots and go completely different. So that's just something to think about. But by knowing those areas that are easy to get into and hard to get into, uh, it really helps you build a picture of the unit as a whole and where you might expect animal populations to be oh, less pressured over here because it's harder to get into, maybe more pressured over here, but easier for you to access. So by doing that, it really helps you build a hunt plan for your specific style of hunting, for your specific unit and the animals, and gives you this good initial overview of hey, I just drew a tag in my pocket. I'm gonna use that excitement to look over the area and start planning because it starts getting me thinking and the better the plan, the more successful you're gonna be. Every tag that I get, so this year um, I drew a tag that I've been trying to get for a very long time. I drew an Ibex tag in New Mexico. And fortunately for me, um, I've been putting in for it uh, for I don't even know how many years. It used to be like 50% draw, and I never drew it when it was 50%. Now it's like 1% draws or something, and I finally draw it, which is cool. Um, thankfully, I mean, like every year, when I first started, when I first heard about that hunt, maybe 15, 17 years ago, something like that, I started like e-scouting that area um, on Google Earth, and now I've, like, I've already got pins for when I actually draw it of how I'm going to hunt it and what I'm going to do. But, um, you know, that initial e-scouting of the excitement of now I drew a tag and I get to fly through the area. I get a look. I get to start identifying things. And now as I have a tag in my pocket, all that initial e-scouting, I can start to pinpoint specific places and really dive into things later on that I'm going to start thinking about as I build out that hunt plan further. But I would say the most important part of e-scouting is this initial look and going through it in a way that really helps you build a picture of big to small, what to look for, and identifying areas to think about as you start to build that hunt plan. I hope that that helps you. I think that, I mean, e-scouting and just the mapping software that's out right now is probably the most advantageous tool that we have. Like I said, I think I was like, it almost feels like cheating compared to the way that when I started hunting, I had to go down, get like a forest service map and then detailed like a overview map that had land ownership, then a detailed map. And then there was areas where I wanted to access, like you'd have to go into like the DNRC office and ask them about something. And they'd be like, okay, there was a survey here. Okay, yes, no, this is illegal access. No, this isn't. Um, yeah, there should be a boundary here. And then you'd have a GPS with nothing on it or no GPS. Actually, I didn't even have a GPS for a very long time. You just have to like use the topo to really understand where you're at and maybe find a survey. It was just, honestly, it took years to find spots sometimes because you, you couldn't just see what was over the ridge without going over the ridge. And I mean, there's, there's something to be said for that. I've gained a lot of skills by being able to successfully read a map, by being able to navigate, by doing it the hard way. But there isn't, it's like, if you can't beat them, join them. Everybody's got this great technology to use and it is such a benefit and it's fun to do. Um, just being able to fly around, to drop pins, to start building a hunt plan with some technology that's like pretty incredible. Uh, like I said, I use the Go Hunt maps, and I never try to push things on people, but what I do like to do is get deals for people because 
I don't know. I mean, everything costs something. And so anytime you can get a better deal on something, I think that that's good. And what I like to do is anytime I work with a company, uh, try to make it beneficial for everyone else. And so because it's Nevada, tag draw, and a lot of results are coming out, I think now is the perfect time. I worked a deal out with Go Hunt. So this is for listeners. I'm essentially, you're going to essentially get the new mapping software for pretty much free in a way. Uh, so what the deal is, if you want Go Hunt, they actually have a new program called the Explorer. And what that is, is it's just their mapping software. So if you aren't familiar with Go Hunt, the insider has all the info on draw odds, unit breakdowns, all that stuff. And that's one membership. And if you have that, you automatically have the online maps and the maps on your phone, the mapping app. So you can download maps. Your phone works like a GPS in the hunt unit and you can plan on the computer, send it to your phone, all the stuff interchanges. So you've got the maps in your hand as a GPS with all the hunt data. And then you've also got it on your computer and it's like essentially interchangeable. So they now have an Explorer version where it's just just the map if you don't want the hunt planning detailed drawed stuff, right? And the, essentially the price of that's $50. But if you use my name and the code this week for the next couple of weeks, you'll get the Explorer app mapping software for essentially free because what they're, we're going to give you is $50 in the store. So you get a, a 50 points for Go Hunt in their store, which allows you to buy whatever you want. So one point is $1. So what we're doing is you essentially get to buy gear and then get the mapping software. So for 50 bucks, you get essentially $50 worth of gear and the membership to the mapping app, which has all 50 states, all the layers, everything you could need in that one thing. And that's why I really like the way that they do it. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty cool deal that I was able to work out for everyone. So just put my name in the code if you want that. Um, I think you just put Remy in there. So that was just my gift to you guys. Uh, I don't think there will ever be a better deal for a mapping software like that with all those features. Uh, most of the other ones are like 100 bucks a year for something like that. So this one, you just get that. You'll get the $50 to spend in the store. You'll get the Explorer app. And if you already have the Insider thing, don't worry about that. Like you already have the map. So and if you have something else, that works too. But that's just something I thought I'd work out for you guys. So I hope you guys appreciate that. Next week, we're going to be doing late spring bear tactics. And we're going to be focusing on what I call brunes in June. Thinking about there are a few areas where the spring season runs into that June time frame. And there's a few things that I like to key in when I'm hunting later in the season. So we're going to dive into those tactics for those of you that are still out bear hunting or maybe just getting started. I think it'll be super beneficial. And if you aren't, it'll help you plan a spring bear hunt for next year. Maybe even think about some stuff for the fall as well. So I hope that that helps. Thank you guys so much for all the support. Uh, feel free, as always, shoot me a message on Instagram. Let me know if you've got questions, whatever. We're going to be doing another Q&A next week as well. So stay posted on my social media for that. Uh, we'll probably do it shortly after uh, the next episode airs. So just keep an eye out for that. I love those calling Q and A's. One of my favorite things that we do. And I know people have really enjoyed that. Um, maybe I'll even do a little giveaway on one. If I like a really good question, I'll send somebody a new Gerber knife. So, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Feel free to drop comments, ratings, 
all that good stuff. Until next week, I'm just going to say, what am I going to say? You know, I, I like to not plan out what I say too much because then I got that spontaneity of a really good ending and maybe I'll just land on a great one. You know, until next week, scout it out. E-scout it out. See you guys. <laughs>